My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Chandler Walker. He's the founder of the Chan's Logic Project, where he coaches on the health, wealth, and sales spaces. He's also the host of the Chan's Logic Podcast. Welcome to the show, Chandler. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting about sales manipulation and everything in between. Likewise, likewise. And it's a pleasure to have you. I'm sure we're going to have some great conversation. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah. So I kind of started off as a kid and I had a mother who suffered from bipolar disorder growing up. So it was kind of a challenge with the ups and downs and everything in between. And dealing with that kind of taught me how to meet someone in the middle, how not to get upset with someone over the way their emotions come out and the way they speak and just present themselves. So it taught me this neutral modicum of communication. And that kind of led me to a med school pathway where I was going to change the world and be the next next best version of the person who could help people like my mother and people who suffered. But the problem was, as I was getting through the medical process, what I figured out was it was more about medication and pills. So see a patient, go in the back, figure out what medication they need, go up, give them the medication. If you even told them to eat an apple, they wouldn't do it. And it's because that's the way the system's organized. It's a sick care system. So I broke off and that's when I built my first business, which was a brick and mortar we call Stone Age Fuel. And it it was centered around six pillars of wellness. So mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, habits. And that's ultimately how I started my entrepreneurial journey. Very interesting. So are you still running Stone Age or is that Yeah. So we basically, we sold the physical location just before the pandemic, which was a dream. That was the best thing could have ever happened to get rid of that before the entire world flipped upside down. And I had already started building up an app and an online platform and a system to be able to market and sell what we were doing via the remote environment. So we were able to to shift right over and start selling what we were doing as a packaged program for what we call the brain code rewire, how to rewire your brain code to stop fighting cravings so you can finally lose weight. And that led me to a process of probably doing three or 4,000 sales conversations by myself to perfect the sales process of getting people in for a higher ticket service. And that's kind of how Compassion Conversations, our sales pro- program was born as well. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go into that a little bit? I know that that's one of your your programs and it's all about how to sell without manipulation and aggressive tactics. Can you tell me a little bit about what you teach your clients? Yeah. So Compassion Conversations was basically born out of my own madness, for lack of a better term. I would hire coaches and they would say, Chandler, you just got to like stick them with the knife and twist a little. You got to be more aggressive, go for the clothes, always be closing, brass balls, all that kind of stuff. And I never really connected well with that. And I didn't like the idea of manipulating someone to join a program that was supposed to help them in their health. So what I did was I outlined kind of the principles of the communication that I had established, kind of communicating with my mother, communicating with three or 4,000 different people in one-on-one conversations. And I took that back and used the principles of science and psychology because my university education was in biochemistry. So I created a program that was centered around psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy to basically sell and communicate with people in a way to where they started to recognize what was going on. We shifted their thoughts and beliefs away from the problem being here to being to where the real problem is. Mm-hmm. 
So I like to share a lot of tangible tips with my audience. Can you give me an example of one thing that you teach your clients to start implementing to be less aggressive and I guess more natural in the conversation? Yeah. So the first part of compassion conversations that we teach is the art of the challenging leader. So a lot of people want to get on the calls and they want to be nice, which is great, They but they end up being sort of a pushover. And I think what you need to do in the sales process is you need to be able to challenge people in an appropriate and compassionate way. And so when someone comes on and they say, hey, what do you think about this? And someone says, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Or yeah, sure. We challenge them. What, what do you mean by sure? Uh, are you sure this is something that that's really interesting for you? Or let's take like a spouse objection. And this goes into our no objection, objection handling sequence that we follow. But when someone comes in and they say, yeah, well, yeah, I have this, this spouse and they haven't been real supportive instead of saying, oh, okay, well, we should get your spouse on a call. Like every other salesperson does. We say, well, that might be a bit of a concern. Well, why, why would that be a concern? Well, because if you're not in alignment, then it might not be possible for you to be successful here. And when I say alignment, I mean you, your spouse. And if I decided that we were a good fit, us, me as well, if there's no alignment there, it might be this process of failure over and over again. So you're forcing people to face the music, but I drop my tone and I come at it in a way that's in their best interest, that makes sense to them, that's logical for them to actually see, believe, and feel. Oh, very interesting. So when you bring up a phrase like that, what's the usual response from the, from the potential client? Yeah. Typically when you bring that up, they're like, they usually like stop talking. You let, you let them simmer in their own silence. So I say that, let them simmer in their silence. And then they say, well, that's true. I, I, I don't know how to get my spouse involved. I don't, I, they, they're just oblivious. And that's when you have to have sort of a, we call it the challenging leader talk or a come to Jesus talk. And you say, well, your spouse loves you, right? They say, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, maybe they don't even know how much you're struggling. When was the last time you talked to them about how important it is for them to be aware of what's even happening? Because if they come home and bring home Taco Bell, what are you going to do? You're not going to sit in a dunce hat in the corner and eat boiled chicken. You're going to eat whatever they brought home. And it's not because they don't love you. It's just because they don't know what's going on. And so then you, you move them into this position to where they start to recognize that they need the spouse to be aware in order to be successful, which is, which is true. And this is why most people fail. If you have a business partner in business and they're oblivious, you're never going to be successful because they're not going to be on point and aligned with what's actually happening. That is very interesting. Very interesting. I love, I love that concept. So you, you have this, you know, fitness health program going on. But you've also got a wealth program going on. So when, at what point did you transition? I don't want to say out of the health space because you're still obviously in it. But at what point did you add on the other aspects? Yeah. So what I found was along the way, there was originally six pillars of wellness. There was mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness habits. But what I realized was wealth was an important piece that people weren't capitalizing on. And, and when I say wealth, it's financial management. It's making sure you're set up for the future. It's making sure you don't take on debt that you don't know how to get rid of. It's making sure that you're responsible with your finances. Because when you look at most people, even people making $200,000 a year or more, which are supposed to be high income earners in the US, they're still 30% of them or 40% of them are still living paycheck to paycheck. So financial mismanagement isn't just a problem of people with no money. It's a problem of people with money as well, because as people get more wealth and gain more money, they're going to spend it in ways that 
they don't really recognize or understand that's going to harm them and put them right back to where they were. And so what I recognized was we needed to have a wealth component that talked about the principles of financial management, the ability to be financially responsible, and to set yourself up to be in a position to where you don't live paycheck to paycheck. Absolutely. So, and I, 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 it's somewhat related, but I know that there's a lot of conflicting opinions. Some people are saying, you know, focus on only one thing. I have only one offer. I have only one program. Stick with that. And then there's other people who have a lot of different things going on. What is your, what have some have been, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced having multiple different programs? And I guess, what are your opinions on that? I guess topic. <laughs> yeah, I think for most people, you should only focus on one thing because what happens with most coaches is they decide they're going to coach this thing. Then they decide, oh, I can I can charge more as a business coach. So they try to be a business coach. They fail at that, and then they, they're just half good at everything. So for me, when I started to really present and introduce new offers, was when I was at the point to be able to remove myself from the day to day, and I was in a position to mostly CEO what we were actually doing. And that gave me the ability to laterally transfer and introduce new offers to the overall culture of care family that we have. But I don't think that's a good idea if someone, if someone's barely doing six figures, if someone's even doing seven figures, they're, they're not at the level in that single offer to be able to transition over. And I think one of the biggest fallacies is watching like a health coach try to be a business coach because they say it's more scalable, which tells me that you don't understand the dynamics of the market because a business coaching offer is not more scalable because your market is infinitely smaller than a health coaching offer. You'd be better off enhancing and modifying and making your health coaching offer better than trying to transition over here just because you can charge more upfront. Because as soon as you start running ads. And as soon as you try start trying to scale the business consulting offer, you're going to cap out at like 10 million a year versus a health coaching offer. If you can get it to that point, you've got a $30, $100 million a year business that someone will buy. Mm, very interesting. Thank you for that. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that coaches are facing in 2023? Yeah. From what I'm seeing, the biggest challenge that most coaches face is getting leads. Most of them are trying to get leads or trying to generate business. They're not able to do it. They're struggling. And that's probably between the zero to 10K range. It's, it's just leads and it's surviving. Then once a coach gets to about the 20 to 30K a month range, I think what happens is they start to cap out or max out their organic potential. So their ability to go out there and produce based off either their own, either their own personality or cold DMs or whatever it is they're doing. So they have to start introducing new modicums of lead generation, new modicums of, of marketing, and they have to start removing themselves from being responsible for, for everything. And so I think to that point, they have to start looking at being guests on podcasts, they have to start looking at going and running ads. They have to start looking at different ways to start generating revenue outside of the singular source that got them to the 20 or 30K a month range because most people will get to that range and then they'll bounce up, they'll bounce back down, they'll bounce up, they'll bounce back down. And it just becomes this invisible wall that they just can't get past. Very interesting. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now? You're at the eight-figure level. So what, what does the eight figure lo level look like? What are yeah. some of your biggest challenges? I think the biggest challenge for me right now is making sure that as we scale, there's a couple of things. Number one is hiring. For example, if I want to bring on like a Facebook media buyer, someone to buy Facebook ads for us as a person in staff, I'm going to interview probably 150 people to get one good, decent human being to come in and be able to run ads well and intelligently. So one of the biggest challenges is consistently being in a place to not only have be ahead of the game in terms of hiring, but having a, having a system set up to where when someone comes in, you can onboard them, you can hold their hand, you can make sure they have what they need every step of the way. And so we've adopted systems and strategies and brought people on to be able to hire and train and bring the right people on board, give them the support. So that way we don't lose them right away because that becomes ex incredibly expensive as you start hiring fast. The other thing that I think becomes a challenge 
at the level is you start to have to look at how to diversify where you're getting your leads, how to make sure that what you're doing isn't just a copy of what everyone else is doing. Because when you look in a lot of industries, it's just a circular process. Everybody's doing the same thing. Everybody's doing the same talking head videos. Everybody's offering the same offers. You kind of have to learn how to reinvent yourself and put yourself in a place where you can be an industry leader. So what are your plans right now to overcome those challenges? Yeah. So for us right now, we have, we brought on a person for HR essentially who can manage and make sure that there's actually excellence maintained in our hiring process. So we bring someone on board, they submit a stress test. We watch the stress test. If stress test looks good, we bring them in for an interview. If interview looks good, then we bring them on. They have an onboarding experience. So that way, when they come on, they have all the resources they need from us in terms of leadership in terms of diversifying where we generate our leads and revenue from, we have everything from podcasts to Facebook ads, Instagram ads. We have uh, just a modicum of, of things that we're able to use to produce leads. Uh, and then at the same time, we have a sales team that can get out there and make sure we're following up, make sure we're putting ourselves in the right place. Uh, and then I guess the last thing that we're looking at is fulfillment. So installing a client success manager who can manage and maintain client success across the board, pay attention to inflection points that happen across the board. Because one of the other big things that happens is you start to notice on the 100-day client journey where specific inflection points are of success and failure. And so you have to have someone responsible for that, paying attention to where the failure points happen to install systems and strategies to remove and reduce the incidence of those failure points, and then to install systems and strategies to raise the incidence of the good inflection point. So that way you're, you're keenly aware and in tune with your fulfillment cycle. So when someone comes into the back end, they want to upgrade or they want to continue moving forward in, in the other programs that you have, which sometimes your back end programs bolt on an, an additional 50% of your revenue. So you put yourself in that place to where you don't become so dependent on that front end. Mm, very interesting. So that said, we've, we've covered your challenges, but what are some of your goals for the rest of this year? Yeah, I think for us, the goal is to make sure that we month over month grow and that we pay attention to churn. One of the most important things for me right now is making sure that our churn doesn't get any higher than 10%, which means we maintain at least 90% success rate and we keep about 90% of our clients. And that's why we're so in tune with the 100-day client journey, because once you start scaling, the fulfillment cycle becomes one of the most important pieces in order to be able to maintain revenue and not just become a revolving door. I think that's where most business owners go wrong. They only focus on marketing and lead generation. It's like, do this for marketing, this for marketing, this for marketing, but they forget that the fulfillment is an important piece that needs to be tracked and maintained from like a data science perspective. Of course, of course. So what are you doing to, I guess, keep track of fulfillment and make sure that you're fulfilling as promised? Yeah. So we have a hundred day client journey mapped out. We know what everybody's going to be doing every step of the way, all the way up to the hundredth day that they're with us. And statistically, if you can keep someone for a hundred days, they're probably going to stay with you forever. So what we do is we look at those inflection points. Where do the oh, bad okay. things happen? What different timeframes? What is the time to value of a new prospect who becomes a client? And what that means is how quickly and how early do they see an ROI from their investment, from an ROI coming in? An ROI could mean making money back. An ROI could mean losing weight, some sort of cognitive change, stuff like that. But we need to make sure that they see that ROI quickly and early. So we want to install systems to be able to make that happen quickly. So that gives them the confidence to continue moving forward and to continue pushing because they now feel like it's actually working for them. And so if you map out that 100-day client journey, you not only have that quick time to value, but you have different inflection points across the board to where each individual person is taken care of because you know exactly where success and failure happens based on the amount of clients that you've seen come through. 
Very interesting. I you truly have it mapped out to a T. I mean, I, I I speak to a lot of business owners on a daily basis, and I have I'm yet to speak to somebody who has it down to a fine system. I love what you're doing with this hundred day journey and keeping track of everything. I think that it's genius. Yeah, it's just because I'm a huge nerd. I went to school for biochem, so the whole thing <laughs> in biochemistry was find a hypothesis, test it. If it works, cool. Try to break it. If it doesn't, test something different. Keep track of your data. Pay attention to numbers. Numbers tell the story. The story becomes clear. Absolutely. So we are slowly running out of time here, and I would love to go ahead and go over your podcast. So it's called Chan's Logic. Can we explain the name behind it and what was the intention behind starting the podcast? Yeah. So basically when we started the podcast and I never changed the name, it was just the Chan's Logic Culture of Care podcast. I would come on and we did our first 50 episodes about basically what I was doing when we were first growing our business. If you go back to the very first episode, there's probably 300 plus now, but the first season was horrible sound. It was just me kind of going through and my partner, what we were doing, what we were learning, just kind of like a bird's eye view on the ground of what was happening. Then we went into season two and it was a people project. So I just brought on like 52 different guests over the course of a year and interviewed all of them, different people in different places of business. Then we started moving into season three, four, I think we're on season six now. And now at this point, the podcast is basically a, a five minute little of me talking about what's on my mind for the week, what I'm struggling with, what I'm hearing, and just kind of keeping my nose to the groundstone and allowing people to hear my thoughts. It's sort of like a, a CEO's digest or letters from a CEO, if that makes sense. That is very interesting. What have some of the biggest challenges been around growing that podcast? I think in the beginning, it was just getting a listener base. Uh, pretty much at this point, my social media is big enough and our email list is big enough. And we have a Facebook group that's big enough to where we're able to feed the listeners and viewers in that podcast. We're able to keep that thing on a good level. And I, I think in the beginning, it was just having an organized system because now if someone comes on a podcast, uh, they have a call to action. We have landing pages surrounding it. We have a sales team that gets on calls and when people book based off podcasts. So at this point, we have a, a fairly good system of getting people organized, getting them through and achieving revenue goals based on the podcast. But in the beginning, I think the hard part is just getting organized. People don't know how to talk. It's hard to organize what you're going to say. It's hard to have a, a signature talk, if that makes sense, with your pillars and all that stuff, a landing page organized and everything in a good place to be able to have a cohesive foundation for producing from a podcast. Do you have any tips and tricks for anybody who's listening that wants to have a more cohesive foundation for their podcast? Yeah, it comes down to three things. Number one, know how to speak to your audience. So when I speak to my audience, it's not from my perspective of what I want. It's from the perspective of what are their biggest objections. And then that's my talk. So my talk, who am I? Here's my story. Then here's the three big pillars that I do. If, if I have pillars for the talk. So, hey, I, I came from here. I did this. And here's the old way that sucks. Here's the new way that's awesome. And then here's the big three things that the big three rocks or objections that we see that are basically my pillars. And if you want to learn more, go to this thing where you can get the simple three-step strategy to blank. They go in there, they download, they opt in. It sends them to a Facebook group. So we have the ability to communicate and follow up on there. Uh, so I think for you, just keep it simple. Number one, organize your talk. Know what your three biggest objections are and use that for your pillars. Number two, send people somewhere. Something super simple. Make it just based on the three. Hey, if you want more information on the three things I talked about today, just go here. They opt in and give them the opportunity to book a call from there. Thank you so much, Chandler. And then, so we are just about out of time, but if you had to leave with one piece of advice for anybody who's an entrepreneur who wants to start a podcast, what would it be? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for podcasts, if you're an entrepreneur, is fear. 
don't be afraid of looking stupid. If you're just consistently afraid and never do anything, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to get on a show. You're going to be left wishing, waiting, wanting, and nothing will ever happen. So just do it. Start booking shows, start doing your own show once a week and make it happen. In the beginning, if you go watch mine, they were horrible. I sound awful. There's no sound. There's no mic. There's nothing, but I did it. And look, I'm still doing it. So if you never do it, you can't be successful. So just do something, get better at it over time. And eventually you'll actually get to a point to where you're next level at it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chandler. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. If you want to find me, you can go to instagram.com underscore Chandler or instagram.com forward slash Chandler underscore SAF. You'll see the picture. It's me in a jujitsu gi with my little girl. And then you'll see a bunch of different stuff with my little girl dancing and me and just having fun in life. You'll see a bunch of videos and information I put out that's helpful. So go there. And if you're interested in actually learning more about compassion conversations, just DM me the word compassion, and I'll send you our, our entire nine-step framework to creating these compassion conversations. So you can sell without manipulation, aggressive tactics, or feeling salesy. Love it. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.